0: Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal Season 8 Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 8. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who reached out following last week's episode, An Unholy Worship. We even had one listener get in touch to say that they, as a child, used to live only a few streets away from the house from last week's experience, and they confirm it's well-renowned as a haunted house in the area. I love receiving all of your correspondence, and if you'd like to get in touch with the show, simply email thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. We've also had somebody reach out and ask if we're taking submissions yet for Season 9. And I'm glad to announce, yes, we are indeed. If you've got an amazing experience that you believe would suit The Dark Paranormal, email the same email address, thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. After today's episode, we only have three episodes left of Season 8. And then we take our standard in-between season break. And it's during that break that I will compile the experiences for Season 9. However, this will not be the usual mid-season break. As you may well have figured out, we will be on hiatus during Halloween. But we can't simply fall silent over Halloween, and therefore, we're putting together something very special. Over the days building up to Halloween, we will be taking a multi-episode look at one of the most invasive and terrifying true paranormal experiences I've ever heard we will be hearing about a life-threatening entity, complete with documented evidence. And this isn't a famous story that you will have heard many times before, no. This arrived as a 12-page diarised document and several accompanying photographs direct to the email address of the Dark Paranormal. And on next week's episode, we will have our first trailer for the Halloween special. Believe me. You won't want to miss it. But let's get our focus firmly back on the road ahead of us. Today's True Paranormal Experience is nothing if not disturbing. And it shows us that whether your safe space is a building or a group of people, you're never truly as safe as you think you are. However, before we get to today's True Paranormal Experience, I of course need to thank our wonderful supporters over on Patreon. When you join our team, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is released each and every Sunday without fail, even on the downtime between seasons, meaning that you never have to miss your paranormal fix. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon, And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful new team members have. Christopher DeBoer, William Davies, Amy Fretwell, Christy Ehrlich, Renee, Brandy Rays, Shannon Roseanne, Georgia Gianna, Rebecca Graham, Steve Roush, Megan Turton, Sarah Jolwa, Katie Morford, The Solitary Dragon, Tawny Ahumada, Squire, Lisa Monticello, Ray, Chana Yepper, Jessica Drew Johnson, Melanie Dolan, Julian Poydevan, Corbin, Winston Watkins, Elizabeth Lafferty, Haley Kuehl, Charlie Lynn Crowell, Amanda Denon, Brenda Ross, Brittany Martinez, Caroline Lynch, Jessica Dunphy, Angela Miles and Anna Gagin. Thank you so much, guys. Welcome to the team, and I hope you enjoy all the early ad free releases and, of course, all of those Patreon only Dark Bites episodes. Don't forget, if you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door. As we hear all about some sinister. Traditions I've always had an interest in the strange, the darker side of life. I guess this was one of the things that drew me to Ryan, my former fiancé. We met at a thrift store in Washington in the late 90s. As cliché as it sounds, we both reached for the same fleeced hoodie at the same time. We both apologised and insisted the other took it, and then joked that neither of us should have it. It wasn't meant to be, we both joked. Ryan then asked if I wanted to join him for coffee at the place next door, but I was already cutting it fine for my bar job, and so asked if he would be free the same time the following day. The following day, I walked into that coffee place and there was Ryan, Just like myself, he'd made a bit of an effort, after us both being caught unaware the day before. He'd swept his hair back in a ponytail and tidied up his beard, wearing dark jeans and a faded denim jacket, instead of the cargo pants and Pantera vest I'd first met him in. As soon as I sat down, he slid a brown paper bag across the table. I think it's meant to be, he said, as I pulled a confused face and slowly began undoing the parcel, to reveal the hoodie that we both reached for yesterday. The hoodie was obviously only a few dollars, but to this day I don't think I've received a more romantic gift. We started dating pretty much there and then, and, I imagine like most young couples of that time, we felt like we knew it all. We both liked heavy music, horror movies, anything paranormal. But most importantly, we had each other's back 100%. We were both each other's shoulder to cry on and most fierce defender. We both had pretty bad upbringings, and I guess that made us bond even more. My childhood, due to parents having addiction issues was more of a case of neglect and needing to be self-sufficient than anything really abusive. The same couldn't be said for Ryan's childhood. Even though the things he told me about his childhood were enough to make you want to weep for him on the spot, I could still tell this was only the tip of the iceberg of what he'd truly gone through. Ryan, due to intervention by the authorities some years before, was moved across the country and now lived with his elderly paternal grandmother, Wendy. She'd apparently cut off all communication with her son following their treatment of Ryan. And Ryan adored her. The home they lived in was like a time capsule. I don't mean falling apart and old. It was immaculate, like spotless but I don't think anything in the house was dated after 1980. The first time I went to his house, Ryan picked up on my, probably non too subtle, expression as I looked around in wonder. My grandfather was really the one for the tech, he smiled. Gran really hasn't replaced anything since he died. No, no, it's cool, I replied. And I kind of meant it too. It all felt like some big nostalgic hug. Ryan's room, on the other hand, was completely out of place. It was like stepping right into the present late 90s. Band posters, CD player, several broken guitars, a computer desk with a home PC, and lots of scrawled notes from various notebooks scattered along the desk. Hey, at least you're tidied up, I said sarcastically picking up one of the notepads. Ryan darted over and snatched the book out of my hand and then instantly pulled a face of regret. Shit, I- I'm so sorry. I'm not used to people looking at my stuff, he muttered. I put both my hands up in annoyed mock surrender. Hey, you do you. No, no, I'm, I'm really sorry, he said. Listen, I- I've nothing to hide. Here, he held out the book. ''No, I'm good, honestly. We all need some privacy, I get it,'' I replied, much calmer now and genuinely meaning what I said. ''It's just...'' ''Oh, don't laugh,'' he said. I shrugged and okay. ''It's my spell book.'' Far from laugh, I said ''Oh, cool!'' and snatched the book out of his hands. He smiled and sat on the bed as I poured through the pages. ''What the hell?'' I said, is this all in hieroglyphs or something? You see, each of the pages had weird symbols drawn onto them, together with initials, arrows, dates, but nothing that could be coherently read. Well, those drawings are sigils. Some I've done, some are for certain workings, he began. As for the dates and initials, etc., well, some of the spells I don't want grand coming in and, you know... "'Like a spell to find a hot girl in a thrift store,' I joked. "'Exactly,' he smiled back. "'Ryan, I asked you to keep this door open, please,' called Wendy from behind the closed door. "'Initially, I think Wendy tolerated me. "'Don't get me wrong, she was never off with me. "'But I could also tell she wasn't 100% approving. "'In hindsight, I kind of get it. "'Some slouchy never-smile.' dressed like a grunge hangover, is probably not the partner she'd hoped for for her wonderful only grandchild. However, as time went on, both of our guards came down, and we would even poke fun at each other and have a good chuckle. And later still, she stopped asking that we leave the bedroom door open, and I would even stay over. Two years in, and now we're engaged, and still as in love with each other as we ever had been. Ryan was working full-time as a mechanic and I had just miraculously got the job of my dreams as a preschool assistant and we were getting a small deposit saved up for our own place although we basically lived together at this point anyway with me staying over four or five nights a week. However, it was just as things were really looking up for us that Wendy was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Wendy smoked Heavily. But there'd been zero indications that anything was wrong. Until that day, I found her slumped against the refrigerator. After running initial tests, it was confirmed that she was riddled with cancer. Her bowel, lungs, liver. Her prognosis was two months maximum. Ryan was devastated. Wendy took the news like she'd known it was coming. I guess she must have. I can only guess what other symptoms, pains, dizzy spells... ...that she'd had to keep to herself for God knows how long. In hindsight, for at least two months prior... ...she became really introverted. Always staring off into space... ...not really there when you want to have a conversation... ...and spending her waking hours locked away in her room. Wendy was methodical throughout from planning every detail of her own funeral to signing the house over to Ryan. That day she sat him down and explained how she wanted things to go. He was the most emotional that I'd ever seen him. I don't want the house, Gran, because you're not going anywhere, he said, reaching out and grabbing her hand. She gently stroked the top of his hand with her thumb. Ryan, listen to me now. I'll be gone in a few weeks, and I need to know I've done everything right by you before I go. So please, just do as I say so I can go in peace. Ryan just sobbed and sobbed. Billy, Wendy said, looking over to me. Will you go and get some bread and milk from the store, please? She nodded at Ryan as if to say, could you give us a minute? I stood up. Yeah, of of course, Wendy and I headed out. In all honesty, it was a relief to get out of the house and get some fresh air. I drove to the next town along in order to maximise my break from the situation, and I got back about two hours later. Entering the house, I could see Wendy had fallen asleep on the couch, so I quietly headed to the kitchen and packed away the groceries, before going to Ryan's room to check on him. Hey, I got the... The room was thick with a sweet-smelling smoke. Ryan was crouched over his computer desk, drawing a large, strange-looking symbol in marker pen directly onto the desktop. I recognised it as looking similar to what I'd seen in his spell books when we first met. On either end of the desk, a black candle flickered in the breeze I'd caused by opening the bedroom door. Ryan, what the hell? I half whispered, half shouted. Ryan didn't even turn around. I can't just sit here when she's like that. This could help her, he whispered back. I was freaked out. I felt frozen to the spot. Ryan, stop it, you're scaring me. Stop it or I'm going home, I replied. Ryan didn't reply. He just kept drawing, glancing down every so often at a notebook in his lap. I shook my head. Fine. And I walked outside and got in my car. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about policy genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death. It's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where policy genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how policy genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about policy genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. And you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's PolicyGenius.com I started the engine and then turned it off again. I couldn't leave. My partner was in distress and I'm not one of those to just go for drama and argumentative leverage. No, I just needed a minute to think. I sat in that car chewing on my nails for what felt like hours. Just as I was about to head back in, Ryan came out, waving at me with a smile. I got out of the car and walked over. I'm all done, he smiled. Listen, I'm sorry about that in there. He nodded towards the house. Even if it doesn't work, I have to feel like I'm trying something, he finished. I nodded. I get it, Ryan. But I didn't know how to put the next part. I thought you grew out of this nonsense. Ryan's face changed. Nonsense like that, he aggressively pointed at the house. Nonsense like that got your job in that school. I didn't know what to say. Are you trying to say you've done a spell to get me a job? Have you heard yourself? I know things are stressful, Ryan, but this is becoming a joke now, I said, shaking my head. Ryan's eyes went wide, and he fidgeted with his sleeve, pulling it down to reveal a long, deep scab, about six inches long. He pointed at the healing wound. That, that's your job success, he shouted. Then he pulled at the other sleeve. A long strip band-aid peeking out either end of a many-layered bandage could still not stop the wet-looking almost brown blood that was seeping through. Ryan, what the fuck? I shouted. He quickly pulled down his sleeve. And that's going to save my gran. His face was like I'd never seen it before. He furiously tapped his finger against the side of his skull. You just don't believe. You're one of them. Nothing but a wear could be. I thought you understood. I was in shock, heartbroken and panicked all at the same time. This was the person I loved more than anything in the world. And here he was, breaking down in front of me. I didn't know what to do. But I knew that these are the times that you need to back up all the words you say. All the times you tell each other about trust, love, support... Ryan closed his eyes and sighed. I'm sorry. He almost shouted at me through gritted teeth. He obviously wasn't sorry. He just felt like it was the right thing to say at the time. Ryan, Billy. It was Wendy. She was smiling from the doorstep. I'm going to cook dinner. Come on inside. What? She was literally out of it minutes before. Ryan smiled. Come in Gran, come on, he smiled back at me as if the previous ten minutes hadn't took place. I followed behind him in a daze. When I got back inside, it was truly the most bizarre thing. Wendy was moving like she did the day I met her, opening cupboards, carrying things from the stove back and forth. What are you two kids up to today then, she said. Ryan shot me a nod and a smile, as if to say, See? I was dumbstruck. Dumbstruck. How how are you feeling, Wendy? I muttered. Oh, I had the most wonderful sleep. I feel great now. I'm not sure how many days I'll get like this, so I'm going to make the most of it. She smiled back. You'll have loads of days like this, Gran, I promise, said Ryan. Wendy made spaghetti bolognese and we sat down at the kitchen table like she wasn't dying of cancer and like her grandson wasn't bloodletting as part of some macabre spell to try and save her life. My head was spinning as I pushed my food around the plate. Wendy looked up at me. Are you not hungry, but... Wendy slid off the chair, taking her plate with her. Ryan jumped up and ran round to her as I went to get some water. ''You're trying too much too soon,'' said Ryan, as he slowly helped Wendy to her feet and led her to the couch. ''I do think you're getting better though, Gran,'' Ryan said, moving the hair away from her face. ''I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Why was he giving her false hope like this?'' Ryan turned to me. ''I need to pick something up. Will you sit with Gran till I'm back?'' ''Of course,'' I replied, and I followed Ryan out to the doorway.'' I reached out and grabbed his hand. Ryan, we need to have a big conversation later, and you need to listen to what I say. Ryan sighed, and his voice had the tone of understanding. I know, I'm sorry. Ryan pulled out of the driveway, and I returned to the living room to wait on Wendy. He's a good boy, you know. He's just the emotional sort, said Wendy quietly. I sat next to her and stared at the floor. I'm really concerned for him, Wendy. Do you know what he's been doing? The spells? I asked. Wendy smiled. Oh, he's always done that whenever things get a little stressful. It's just a crutch for him. I kept my gaze fixed at the floor. Well, well, he needs to stop. Do you know he's been cutting himself for these spells? Wendy didn't reply. It sounded like she was struggling to breathe, so I stopped staring at the floor and looked up to check. Wendy's face was contorted into a bent, twisted grin. Her whole eyes, even the whites, had turned to a dark jade-green colour. I leant back in panic. Was this a fit of some sort? Was she dying right in front of me, right now? In a heartbeat, Wendy thrust her face at mine and she rasped, Bitch. In my face, spittle covering my cheek. She had this choked, cracked laughter as she receded back to her sitting position and closed her eyes. Her breathing returned to normal as mine still fought to calm itself. I slid off the couch and stood in the centre of the room staring at her until Ryan returned. Ryan walked in with his arm freshly bandaged. "'holding a roll of bin liners, some dust cloths and detergent. "'How is she?' "'I I just couldn't bring myself to say what had happened.' "'Oh, she, um, she fell asleep,' I stuttered. "'Good. She just needs a little rest,' he said. "'Hey, come give me a hand.' "'In an absolute terrified daze, I followed Ryan to his room. "'Listen,' he began. Tearing some of the bin liners and billowing them into shape. You're right. This has all gotten out of hand, all this. He nodded at the desktop altar. This is what I do when I get stressed. I know it's weird and it's not healthy or right. I know how it must look. But I can't have you looking at me like you did outside. I felt like I was going to lose you. So you know what? All this can go. I won't do it anymore. He picked up the burnt out candles and threw them in the bag before spraying the desk with the cleaning fluid and wiping off the marker pen symbol. Ryan, you won't lose me but I think you need to at least start speaking to someone. You're going through a lot and I will, I will, I promise. He cut me off. I just nodded slowly, not completely convinced and began helping to tidy up the room. That night as I lay next to Ryan, I couldn't shake the image of Wendy from earlier. That wasn't natural. It didn't seem human. I began to wonder if, what with all the emotion in the house, coupled with Ryan's spells, if Ryan hadn't inadvertently brought something darker into the house. This thought was interrupted by a sound a sound I recognised from earlier. Just once, but it was that same laugh coming from Wendy's room down the hall. I must have finally fallen asleep, but no sooner had I closed my eyes was it dawn. A slight light was breaking through a gap in the curtains, allowing me to make out the objects in the room, the dresser, the wardrobe, The man stood in the door. I threw the sheet off and sat up like a bolt. Ryan was stood in the doorway. Jesus, Ryan, what are you doing? I could tell by his face that something was clearly wrong, and my heart skipped as I realised what it likely was. Are you okay? Ryan just shook his head. She's dead, he replied. The next few weeks were like a blur. Constant phone calls to change details on things Wendy hadn't gotten around to. Funeral invites and all the extra things that no one thinks about at the time gave us a seemingly unending list of tasks. It was like we were almost too busy to even grieve. All the while though, the house felt, well, busier and not in a good way. It was as if an oppressive thing was filling certain rooms at certain times. After the funeral, aside from throwing himself into work, Ryan also, thankfully, began seeing a therapist. And despite the entire nightmare of the last few months, I was finally starting to feel optimistic about the future. And that's when the first thing happened. I was sitting in the living room reading a book when... A chair from the kitchen table pushed itself along into my periphery, stopping only on the divider between the kitchen floor and the living room carpet. I instinctively put my feet up on the couch and curled into a ball, my hand to my mouth, staying perfectly still and quiet. What in the... From Wendy's room upstairs, there was an almighty bang, so intense I felt the vibration in my skull. I was now standing up, my heart in my mouth. Part of me wanted to go and check what the sound was, but a larger part of me wanted to run outside, and that's exactly what I did. I raced into the front yard, looking up at the window of Wendy's room. I could see that her wardrobe which faced the window appeared to be open and from getting up onto my tiptoes, I could just about make out the top part, and it looked empty. I wasn't aware that Ryan had moved anything out of that room as yet, or if he had done, he hadn't told me. I gingerly made my way back inside and called Ryan's work. I didn't mention the chair. I just said I thought someone was in the house. Ryan met me outside within 30 minutes... "'So what happened?' he said, looking at the house from the garden. "'I heard this massive bang, like the ceiling was coming in. "'And looking from here, the wardrobe.' "'I looked up. "'The wardrobe appeared to now be shut. "'That wardrobe was open when I called you,' I said, pointing. "'Someone must be in there.' "'Ryan took a hammer out of the back of his car and raced upstairs.' Bursting into Wendy's room with me running in hot pursuit. And nothing. The wardrobe was closed. The room was its immaculate self. Ryan opened the wardrobe slowly. And all of Wendy's clothes were still in there. After going round the house to give it the quick once over, Ryan said he needed to get back to work so I took myself shopping so as not to be alone for the rest of the afternoon. For the next week or so, there were a number of occurrences which played on my mind. Mugs being knocked off counters, plates falling out of cupboards, the sugar bowl being found upside down in a way that it couldn't be moved without spilling its contents everywhere. Weird, obtuse happenings that I couldn't say with confidence were paranormal but it 100% felt like they were. Then one evening we were sat watching TV, and I headed upstairs to the bathroom. Wendy's bedroom door was, as ever, shut tight, but something caught my eye as I was about to head back downstairs. A light. A flickering light was coming from under the doorframe. Not only that, but I could also hear the switch or what sounded like the switch, being turned on and off rapidly. Ryan! I shout whispered down the stairs. Ryan! Ryan appeared at the foot of the stairs. I pointed slowly at Wendy's room, and Ryan slowly crept up the stairs to join me on the landing. Seeing the lights flicker under the doorway, Ryan stomped over and flew open the bedroom door, into total darkness. He reached over and... "'Nothing. No light. It was as if the bulb had gone. "'He turned to me and shrugged. "'Don't worry, Billy. Lights can flicker like that sometimes just before the bulb goes. "'I was about to say, well, what about the clicking sound we heard? "'But I didn't. "'Because that's when I saw her, "'walking from right to left across the pitch-black room behind him. "'It was just an outline.' But it was undeniably Wendy I couldn't speak I just pointed Mouth open Ryan spun around at my reaction But she had already gone Ryan was frustrated now What did you see? He shouted at me Wendy! I shouted back And it was as if the floodgates opened Everything I'd kept from him The small happenings, the chair moving, Wendy going green-eyed and growling bitch at me. I told him everything. And I told him that I think he had brought it all into the house with his goddamn stupid magic spells. He looked lost for words for a minute. Then his face changed. Come with me, he said. I followed him into our room. He stood on one side of the wardrobe, Get on the other side, he muttered, and push. Slowly the wardrobe moved and revealed one of those strange symbols carved into the wall. He breathlessly pointed at it. Gran's wardrobe's on the other side of this wall, and behind her wardrobe is the same sigil. I thought you were done with all this crap, I shouted. Ryan shook his head. Oh no! I didn't do these. Granted. I looked at him in silence. He continued. It's a protection spell. She'd done it when I moved in. Those notebooks I had, they were all hers. I used them to practice. It was like our secret. There was no harm meant. It's only when you and me argued in the front garden that I realised I could lose you and I knew it was going too far. I promise I haven't done a thing since the day we threw everything out. But this was it for me. I couldn't stay in the house any longer. We rented an apartment the following week, and Wendy's house was up for sale by the end of the month. I'd like to say we all lived happily ever after. However, that's not the case. I found out that Ryan had been to one therapy session, and one only. It turned out that each week for months and months, when I believed Ryan was in a therapy session, he was actually meeting with the receptionist from the garage he worked in. I guess leading a double life must run in that family. I'm now happily married with three kids of my own, and I just want to end my experience with a cautionary word which may seem a bit paranoid, but given my experience, I'm sure you'll understand. I've recently been to a few craft markets with my girls, and as this trend of magical symbols seems to be coming back in, specifically in jewellery, please be aware of what you're choosing to adorn your person with. I think a lot of these are just being made after someone sees a picture online with the maker of the object just thinking it looks cool and completely unaware of the things that these sigils can invite over from the darkness. Such a truly terrifying and amazing experience sent into us by our listener Billy there, and a reminder that you never truly know what goes on behind closed doors. Ever since I read this submission, I can't lose the image of the silhouette of Wendy moving from left to right behind Ryan. And when that happens, I know that somebody's experience has truly got to me, which is entirely why I do this show. So once again, thank you so much, Billy, for your submission. So that brings us to an end of this episode of Season 8 of The Dark Paranormal. Once again, I'd just like to thank you all for choosing to spend your time here with me on the show. For our Patreons, I'll be back on Sunday for yet more Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you here next week for Episode 8. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here on The Dark Paranormal.